Welcome to the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, brought to you by the Ruminations Radio Network and sponsored by Film Obsessive. This is the tirade film movie debate podcast hosted by two film critics, cool dads, and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan. And I'm the king of the world, William Johnson. There it is. No icebergs tonight, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, we're damn glad to have you. This is all for tantrum's sake, where shared passions and high fives wash away any place for hate. No matter what, we encourage you all to love what you love. But for now, the gloves are off and the hissy fit is on. Tonight, we're doing a special editorial episode where we're going to talk about the box office kings. We're uh, kind of in this... um, box office landscape right now of avatar 2 the way of water kind of you know rolling right now in theaters we are a year away or a year from spider-man no way home sweeping a few things top gun maverick has been huge this year and it was the 25th anniversary of titanic and for will and i in our lifetime we've seen quite a bit of change happen to kind of the the all-time box office champ so we wanted to kind of do a show to kind of talk about that absolutely yeah you know and an ad- an ad- not an addendum, but an additional part of that is a lot of the conversation going on in film critic film criticism right now is about Avatar and how, like, despite it being a, a current king of the box office, mm-hmm. like what it's like cultural quote unquote re- relevance is. Oh, you know, it, it's, it's a very yeah. interesting argument because, and we'll go through our list here. We have a list of all the box office kings through history, but. You know, you look at some of these some of these names, and you know you're looking at all time classics, like th- things people know even if they haven't seen them. You know, and mm-hmm. then you do have you do have Avatar, and it makes it makes you wonder, like, you know, when does the business side come in? When is it like the extra ticket price for the 3D and the blah blah blah? You know? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the cultural relevant thing. I mean, it made money because it made money, so someone was seeing it, but it is That's interesting. The- idea you know yeah that's the the easiest answer not to make this show like five minutes but uh to me is it you know because people are going to see it at the volume of which they're going to see it because you don't make a billion dollars or two billion dollars seeing a movie once you're you get repeat viewings you got people who are coming back you got people who are you know word of mouth you have all the things happening to make that many people see a movie where when you do that you are maybe not the long term maybe not star wars lord of the rings level lore but you are culturally relevant when you sell that many tickets and make that much money you now quality of film yeah maybe it's not an all-time you know, it's it's not going to be the, the greatest thing in the whole wide world, but you've got something that for for its time did more than enough to be culturally relevant, be the water cooler discussion, to have a hold on the movie going audience for whatever time it needed to, and in some cases for a pretty long time. Well, it it plays into that whole idea of like people not understanding how statistics work and how like oh my the gosh, world yes. works because this happens in politics too. Like you'll see someone to be like, I can't believe X won the presidency because where I am, I don't know a single person uh-huh. that, that voted for yeah. Y, you know, and it's, or voted exactly. for X, when I, you know, and then they go, well, yeah, in your little circle of 15 people, yes, of course it would be an outlier, right. but you have to consider everybody. So I am one of those people that saw avatar one time in the theater, mm-hmm. but it yeah. would be foolish of me to just go out and say, uh, well, I only saw it once, so therefore there's no way 
it could make this much money. That's a silly argument because there is right. probably someone who saw Avatar. For God's sake, there was a whole group of people that were pretending to be Navi after that movie came out. Exactly. You know, they yeah. probably saw it 15 times. So, you know. Yeah. It, it, you know. Just because it's not your, quote unquote, your movie doesn't mean it's not somebody else's in five other somebody else's movie. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing is, like, yeah. when I like, when I get to the... I, when you say when you say talk about statistics, I admit I'm that guy all the time. Where um, I know you open up that box office mojo chart of the top ten lifetime gross movies, and because of the inflated dollar, you know the entire top ten other than one movie is pre 21st century, and that's Titanic at number eight with 659 million dollars in its time. Now everything else is from 2000 onward, and in most cases is 2008 onward. So that just tells me that $14 movie tickets and $16 movie tickets make everything else that was a quarter back in the day look like shit. And then they don't understand how statistics work because, yeah, this is great. You make all this money. But I, like, how many tickets do you sell? How many people were really there? And I, I've been a staunch supporter, defender, sharer, prolificator, whatever you want to call it, of the uh, inflation-adjusted chart that's out there that kind of does the math of like, all right, what did it make in its lifetime? How many tickets did it sell? And multiply that by today's money, what would it be? And when you go to that chart, you see you see the all-timers. You see, when you look at the top 10 of that, um, sure. you have the, no doubt, you know, a, a cultural zeitgeist, huge movies. And the top 10 of those are Gone with the Wind, Star Wars A New Hope, The Sound of Music, E.T. Wow. The Extraterrestrial, Titanic, The Ten Commandments, Jaws, Dr. Zhivago, The Exorcist, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and I'll throw in number 11, Star Wars The Force Awakens as the one modern entry. Those 11 are the movies that adjusted lifetime gross in domestic money only, not worldwide money, would be over a billion dollars. If they were to make if they were to make those movies today and sell the tickets they sold, those would be billion dollar movies, which we've never had one of. So to me, when you look at that list, there's not a there's not a single movie in that list that is some obscure fad kind of thing. Those are all timers, top to bottom. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and there is all kinds of stuff. I mean, we we are going off the hard stats, you know. Like, yeah, I like to I like to go off of things of sports. You know, like you can see, you know, if I if I showed you a quarterback in football that threw five touchdowns and one interception, you could look at that in isolation and think. That was a great game for the quarterback, but when you find when you find out he threw that one interception at the worst possible time to lose the game, you mm -hmm. know then so there there are factors involved here with that, and I'm not yeah. I'm not disputing I'm not disputing the adjusted lifetime growth, but I will say, you know, you also have to look at when you look at the estimated number of tickets sold. Yes. I mean, there's a couple of things with Gone with the Wind. One, you know, when movies like that were coming out, uh, there wasn't like 16 options in a multiplex. You know, it was pretty True. much the thing to see. Also, yeah. it's all Gone with the Wind has had through multiple re-releases over eighty years had the True. chance to keep piling on that number. So mm -hmm. there are there are little things you could you could yeah. find in both in both lists. But I am kind of like a I like looking at the adjusted one, but at the same time I do you know kind of you know yeah. I kind of I kind of look at the main the main list that everybody looks at is kind of like the uh, the one you know, sure. to go off of, because I think it, I think for the most part, it, with the exception of maybe Avatar, which we'll talk about, which, like I said, I'm, I'm not, me personally did not connect the same way with any of these other movies on the list. Um, mm -hmm. But, 
you, you do feel like everyone on the normal list, the non-inflated adjusted one, yeah, you can tell something's going on in history with those movies at that time. That's like there's, true. There's, a, That's true. there's like a there's like an era of Hollywood that makes sense why they're on this list, you know? Yeah. Um, I, if that makes sense, I'll be that I'll be the guy that defends I'll be the guy that defends the simple fact of estimating the number of tickets sold. Like if you don't if you don't want to do the inflation and financials, how many people came to see your movie? Period. Right. Right. And when you do estimated number of tickets in that way, that's where I go. I kind of do the meme of like, you know, pointing at something emphatically like, look, <laughs> because like right. you have those people who are like, oh, my gosh, Black Panther was such a huge hit. Like everybody and their brother saw it and only 76 million people saw it or bought a ticket for it. And you know that that's how many people twice, you know, or something like that versus Gone with the Wind, who sold 202 million tickets. Now, here's the fun thing I'll do playing. So here's the fun thing I'll do with people playing social studies teacher. We have what? 7 billion people on the planet today. Yeah. We have 16 options of things to see, but you have twice the number of audience possible audience today than you did in 1939 for Gone with the Wind. So when I watch 3 billion people 80 years ago, put up a 202 versus 7 billion and all the faculties and loveliness of movies today only knock up 76 for Black Panther well, or pick your movie from 20 whatever, I laugh and go, please, bitch, please. Well, I do I the mean, same thing with like DVD charts too, where like, our, you know, I'll, I'll give him a shout out even though he doesn't fucking deserve it. Is Byron Lafayette was making a big stink this past year of like how many uh, copies of like DVDs or, or 4Ks that um, the Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League made. And I'm like, bitch, please. It wasn't even in the top 50 of number of discs sold. Like Frozen's number one or something like that. Something obscene that's like just a long way away where it's not even top 50. Don't even call it a good day if you don't even make the chart. <laughs> well, but you, like you said, though, even though it's double the population, there is also probably triple or quadruple the options to watch a movie. Too. Sure. I mean, the phrase. But if your movie's good, phrase, if your movie's good, people oh, sure. will come. Yeah. Sure. But I'm just saying, like, the phrase, um, I'll wait till video, you know, didn't even exist till the eighties, you know? So it's like, you 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 have a a certain thing. So some people watch and the same thing happens with TV. Like TV is really fascinating because when you think about like the mash finale or the Seinfeld finale, and it's Mm -hmm. literally like 70% of all households. Oh yeah. That's amazing. And, and you would think of like uh, a show having like a, a rating of like 30 or 25.1, you know, like million, mm-hmm. you know, now like the highest rated shows on network television, maybe get like one, 1. 1.5. It's just because it's yeah. a different way to consume the media now. It's true. Some people wait for streaming. Some people wait. So I think the same, I, I think there's a, a, a give and take on both sides. Like you I have all that. kinds of stuff. You, you have arguments for both, I guess you could say. I, I look mm-hmm. at it almost like using sports as an example. It's kind of like I look at it as like, um, you know, Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time, but he's fourth in total points scored. Now, is that because yeah, yeah. he's a lesser player? No, it just means mm-hmm. that there were some players who played longer and there were some players yeah. that were uh, the only option on their team. So they just scored all the time or they didn't win. Like, you know, they're just kind of, yeah. you, but you, but you can also say, yeah. Errors, There's an error thing, like, like a baseball. If you're going to do the sports thing, baseball is the place to go because uh, Cy Young is the number one all-time major league pitcher for wins, and he has 511. A, a, the longest tenured you know, player of our generation made it to 300 and change, and that was like Randy Johnson, Roger Clements. They didn't even sniff 
400, let alone 511. Like those are records because of their era. A guy who probably pitched every day, no five man rotations, you know, (laughs) where those records will never be broken. You almost have to kind of scratch the line and go, well, what else is close? And I know that that's to me, yes, records are records and you have to accommodate eras, but at some point you kind of still have to acknowledge the greatness and go, okay, fine. You know, like, you inflate a dollar will make gone with the wind never make the top 200 movies because it's made 200 million dollars just in terms of legit money but at some point you got to tip the hat and go dang you're still the one who sold the most tickets and until something else does so oh absolutely well but for the purposes of our examination here an eras is a nice word a nice word to use let's look at there are 11 like if like i said if we're using just the normal list the non-inflated list there are 11 box office kings that have existed mm-hmm. since 19, 1915. Um, yeah. And two of them have gone out and come back in. Uh, That's during amazing, that time. by the way. So, but, um, and for those so, of you who are curious about this, just yeah. to kind of do the notes, because this is a podcast and not a visual thing, um, we are going to Wikipedia to look, kind of look at the uh, all-time box office champ, and they do kind of a timeline of, of what was number one and what took its place running through time. So we have when it became the top king, when it ended and what passed it and then that whole progression all the way through. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and like I said, there's 11 total champions, which is pretty wild when you think about it, because, um, 11 films, you know, when how many films are released, you know, <laughs> a year and a decade, but I mean, yeah, let's, um, I'm going to go through, I'm going to go through the list real quick. Go for I'll it. Just read off, I'm going to read off the names and then, I think you guys will see this trend of eras because I think, yeah. I think at every point there is some representation of a specific era in filmmaking. And it makes sense that these films would be in box office Kings because they, yeah, really change. If you drop the, if you drop the years here while you go, if you drop the years and say, Oh, in blank year, this showed up. Yeah. People will be like, Aha. So, so the first one from 1915 to 1940, was Birth of a Nation. Mm. Uh, I don't. I don't think that's anyone's favorite movie. At least anyone we know. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, from 1940 uh, to 1963. So 1940, Gone with the Wind took over mm-hmm. for Birth of a Nation. Um, that went till 19. Well, it says here 63. It must be 66. Yeah. But but um, Sound of Music in 1966. Became the all-time box office champ. Uh, 1971, Gone with the Wind took it back, probably from re-releases and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the next three, you this is another era here. So for, in 72, yeah. you had The Godfather. Wow. 76, you had Jaws. 78, you had Star Wars. Okay, mm. This is Star Wars it's- episode four, A New Hope whatever yeah but and and i'll and i'll pause you here this is where the money shows up too because like gone with the wind only needed like 32 million to pass birth of a nation by the time it comes back in 1971 it was at 116 after sound of music made 114 but then godfather jaws and star wars showed up and star wars like doubled everything that came before it yep yeah the, the money on that's ridiculous and then oh yeah then you have uh 83 to 93 was et mm. um 93, uh, uh, Jurassic Park, um, and that lasted until 98 with Titanic. Uh, yep. And then we have 
even though it's which doubled which doubled what Jurassic Park did. Like that was like a just a jump and a half. Oh yeah, huge jump. Uh, then there was Avatar, then Avengers Endgame in 2019, and then Avatar after some re-releases in China and stuff went yeah. back to the number one spot. So that's 11 films. But yeah, when you look at that, you're looking at the first silent epic. You're looking at the fir- one of the first big studio epics. Uh, yes, you are. You're looking, you're looking at musicals, which used to be in the, in the late 60s, the go-to genre of filmmaking. If the 50s yeah. was the Western, the 60s was the, the musical. Yeah, um, and, uh, no question. And, and that is easily the peak musical of its era. I mean, Sound of oh, Music absolutely. is on a top shelf. And then with Godfather, Jaws, and Star Wars, these are all those uh, new Hollywood revolutionary, mm-hmm. you know, F- Francis Ford Coppola, the Spielbergs, the Lucases. Um, right. You know, those are obviously the more mainstream ones of that era. I mean, you're not going to see Marty Scorsese on here or Brian De Palma and things like that. But of that era, it makes sense. The Godfather, Jaws, and Star Wars were part of that new Hollywood era, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the one that the one that surprises me is because um, you know film ratings are a thing where everyone talks about today, especially in the marketing rooms. Is you got to make a thing that's PG thirteen, so you have the widest possible audience with no restrictions. So for the right. Godfather, and now I know it's seventy two, and you weren't exactly checking IDs for the Godfather. People didn't care, but that's a hard R movie that is your number sure. one of all time for a bit there. That's impressive. Well, and also what people for I'll get into the Godfather in a little bit, but the, the thing about okay. the Godfather too is that what people forget now because it's it's so recognizable as a movie is that that was a huge book too. That was a oh, sensation yeah. of a book. So th- this was like someone. I mean, I can't think of a a, a one to one example, but like you know how like um, well we've got Twilight, our Hunger Games, Twilight, our Harry Potter's. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Twilight. We got it. They just don't do Godfather money. Yeah. Right. So this was a cultural thing. It was like, oh, that was a great book. I wonder if it's a great movie. Now everyone knows it as a movie, but. Right. And Gone with the Wind, too. Huge book, you know? Yeah. Um, And then, you know, 83 and 93, E.T. and Jurassic Park. I mean, we're talking about the Spielberg. That is like the height of the Spielberg spectacle. Jurassic Mm -hmm. Park was the visual effects revolution like Star Wars was. So you had. That now Titanic is interesting. That's a heck know, of a thing. I don't know how to peg that in terms of an era. You know what I mean? Because it's um, like I will call it. I'll call it this. Um, to me, I because I just wrote a big twenty fifth, you know, anniversary retrospective piece for Film Obsessive that I'm super proud of for Titanic. Where for Titanic, the crazy thing was just um, it was just spectacle and prestige at the same time. But it was this like, if people, if you remember, it was also this like. Um, you got to see it because you wouldn't believe it if you saw it because it was supposed to be this lemon. Like it was delayed from July yeah. to, until Christmas because it was supposed to be just this broken, gaudy mess. And then it shows up and then it just keeps on chugging. Like we talk, we all today, we see those huge box office weekends, like these $100 million, $200 million opening weekends, these huge, huge splashes of money. Titanic made like $26 million. It never made more than $13 million in a single day, but it just kept chugging where it just never dropped. Made 20 every weekend, 20, 20, 20, all the way until the March of the next year where it just kept on chugging. So for that movie, in terms of an era, I would say it's that, um, because the, like, I don't want to say pre 9 11 because we didn't know 9 11 was coming three years earlier with Titanic or four years earlier with Titanic, but kind of that, that, um, yeah, kind of the, the, the meeting of 90s special effects, 
um, you know, peak with, you know, dramatic old Hollywood nostalgia storytelling, yes. things like that, where like, cause like, I know we say the matrix is that watershed of effects that maybe came after Titanic and has been a boom and a inspiration since then. But like Titanic had the, you wouldn't believe it if you saw it effects and it still had this story. Um, I don't call Titanic yeah. an anomaly because it still feels like that old grand Hollywood kind of thing. Like Cecil yeah, yeah. would get if he had that budget and you know, so I don't know I like, how to go there. I like what you said, even though it's in hindsight, I do like what you said about the, um, pre nine 11, uh, movie, you know, when escapism just wasn't the same anymore after nine yeah, 11, yeah. but, but also, um, the idea of prestige change changed quite a bit as well. Mm-hmm. And I, when I say prestige, I'm looking at like what wins awards, right? True. Or so like shortly, I don't know when it started happening at the Oscars, but you know, now today in 2023, yeah. usually it's, nine you know low budget independent slash art films and then there's always like mm-hmm. one blockbuster in there like this year it's probably gonna be yeah. top gun is the blockbuster in there yeah. you know it used it used to be the it, it wouldn't be the opposite because things like things that should have been nominated for best picture in terms of their staying power that weren't like the matrix and jurassic park and things like that mm-hmm. never got recognition but i think post titanic you know uh, and maybe maybe it's post lord of the rings because lord of the rings uh, that's the last yeah. one to me is well, like once once Lord of the Rings had his three three film and obviously Capper with the best picture in the finale run. We haven't seen a true blue big Hollywood thing be a best picture contender other than kind of Avatar, which got beat by the Hurt Locker. But like that was well, Black, it. Pa- you know? Black Panther was up there. It got a nomination yeah. for best picture. Yeah, um, but there, there are fewer like every year had fewer. one, not yeah, every exactly. other yeah. year. Yeah. So so I think. Yeah, the, the the hindsight thing plays into that, but and the prestige, what is prestigious? Yeah, um, good point. Also, uh, plays into it as well. So yeah, Titanic was maybe like, and and even with Lord of the Rings, I mean, let's be honest, we all know Fellowship of the Ring is the superior of the three, but even the Oscars was like, let's just wait it out. If they if they mm-hmm. still put out a home run with the third one, we'll just give it to them for that because you yeah. know we always we always joke about the Oscars being like the you know, uh, makeup award thing for actors, mm-hmm. you know, like Al Pacino getting it for Scent of a Woman, right? Like yeah. Lord of the Rings was almost like the makeup award in hyperspeed because it was just like Fellowship of the Ring, huge sensation. Another one of those like Titanic, critical darling, and that's right, a big, big box office success. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were just like, no, we cannot give Lord of the Rings yeah, a fantasy <laughs> film. Yeah, we yeah. cannot give that. So it's almost like they they just conceded at the end of the third one. So even then, there was a little prestige at play because I think, I mean, mm-hmm. I prefer Fellowship of the Ring. It's one of my all time favorite films. You know, um, I'm a well, middle chapter. Raise the stakes, raise the game. I, I'm a two, like if I'm I'm a two towers guy in terms of quality, in terms of like all round completion and impact. Yeah, the first one, and then the third one is just ending after ending. Like it was easy after that. So. Well, you had him, you know. So I think Titanic, we have, I think we've we've secured that era. Avatar, mm-hmm. we can talk about in a minute, but and then obviously you have Avengers Endgame is kind of the last new champion because Avatar ended up yeah. taking it back a couple of years later. But that makes sense because Avengers oh, Endgame is the culmination yeah. of the change of oh, cinema yeah. in terms of the era, in terms of the shared universe that so many people try to do and mm-hmm. have been un- unsuccessful to do. <laughs> have been, and not and been you are. 
And you are right, as we always say in this show, especially from the Marvel show, you are right to call that cinema because that movie, whatever spectacle cinephiles put their nose to, that movie yeah. still hit and mattered. You know, it, and just, oh, yeah. oh, it's the quality. I just can't. Yeah, I know we have a thousand people nowadays who want to dismiss that movie for being just all spectacle and all money. But like or we're going to do the cultural relevance thing. But you you will remember where you were when, you know, portals comes on and stuff like that. It just is a moment. It's an impact. It's yeah, it's something other movies, Indian otherwise, could only dream of doing. And that's the big deal thing, because that's the trend you get through top to bottom on this list is you have to some degree, top to bottom, even Birth of a Nation, you have spectacle, you have escapism, you have big reasons to go see a big thing on the big screen. Because Gone with the Wind, for its time, color and all that, hugest thing you could ever see in your whole life. Sound of Music, biggest, grandest musical you can get. And then The Godfather, and you have all those cultural events from there on in. It's huge. I mean, There's not a wimpy movie on this list. Not a one. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, I mean, technically the only thing that would be and when I say crowd pleaser or blockbuster, I'm, I'm talking about the stuff that, you know, like Jaws makes you squirm in your seat and not want to go in a pool at night, mm-hmm. which makes no sense. You know, Star Wars, Endgame, you're up and cheering. I think yeah. the most the most non-quote-unquote crowd pleasing, even though it's, it's a legendary film, is The Godfather. That's more of a straight drama. Yeah. But yeah. regardless, it's, it's such a legendary, quotable, memorable, oh, yeah. you know, it, it ended up, I mean, it ended up changing um, the mob, the mobster genre and the crime mm-hmm. genre to something more realistic. Um, oh yeah, definitely. So it it, it has its so even it's a that watershed. absolutely it's watershed. There you go. Watershed is is a good one uh, mm-hmm. there. But yeah, this this I mean, just this list is. Have you seen everything on this list? I have not seen Birth of a Nation. Everything Neither else, I sure I. have. Yeah. I have seen everything. I'm else. no rush to see it because I hear it's like <laughs> three hours. Where I'm, I'm good. No thanks. You know, probably not the most. Um, is it about the Ku Klux Klan too? So indeed, like, it is. Yes. So a lot I, of black know, face. A lot, a lot of mess there. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not in the mood to see that. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's like Gone with the Wind also has maybe some cultural problems these days. But uh, yeah, I, mean, yeah, all I know people want to cancel that, but I, 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 I love watching that movie. I don't mind it a bit. It's it's of its time, and I and I I'm I'm one of those fan. I'm I'm actually not against. Um, I'm very like. I don't believe in censorship. I don't like anyone changing art at all. Like you know me, I'm very mm-hmm. against. Um, yeah, I'm very against like, uh, like like George Lucas going in and changing his film to make mm-hmm. it look better when it's like just leave it as is. Um, yeah. I am also against like uh, when I like when uh, for instance. Um, like Westerns now, like when you watch mm-hmm. them on TV, like if you watch them on stars or something, it'll come up with the ratings. It'll say, you know, uh, oh, ins- insensitive, uh, insensitive yeah. remarks that were due to the time. I, and they did that with Looney Tunes too. And old Disney cartoons. I'm fine with mm-hmm. that. Present the art as the historical document that it is. Exactly. Let, let people make their own determinations Agreed. about whether that is so yeah. i'm actually okay with that so i'm, I'm not i'm not uh yeah it, slap it, a label on it but don't change it censor it tinker it with it yeah i'm with you yeah so but yeah all these are i mean and the other amazing thing is you're looking at let's see uh cameron has two on here spielberg mm-hmm. has three 
you know, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty, pretty incredible uh, to have yeah. uh, one or you know, two guys own almost, you know, almost half right. of the films. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that's pretty wild when you think about it. I agree. Somebody has that kind of power in terms of. Um, or just uh, that kind of like uh, legitimate success. And like, yeah, you have to. I mean, I, I, I've never sat down and made a Mount Rushmore of four, but. I, I don't know how you don't put Spielberg on a top four of all time list when you do what, not just because of success, but like what he does as an artist in the medium and across different genres and all the things he can do in the effect mm-hmm. that he's had. I don't know how you don't put him as a top four director of all time. Well, you have to, and, and, and it is funny because, and, and this is where I will give, I'm not going to give grief to Marvel because I don't, I think it's supply and demand. People want to see it. This they make it. Yeah. And also, I, I've always defended Marvel as art. And trust me, there are some bad superhero films out there. Do not get me wrong. Oh, I'm not sure. Like all in. We've all watched Black Adam recently. Yeah, it's all bad. <laughs> um, right. It's not all bad. But, you know, it, it's funny because in this culture, in this, uh, if we're going to blanket it, a Marvelization or a Star Warsization of media in which everything's a shared universe and everything's connected and everything has to be a franchise. The, the people like Spielberg. I mean, he's had in, in my in my mind, I know you disagree with a couple of these, but okay. the last two years, I think Spielberg's made some of the best films he's ever made in the last two years. And they are the biggest bombs of his career because no one is going to see them. I'm saying it's yeah. just funny landscape. how landscape is a thing. And we're in a land. we're in a weird that's the thing, is like we're in this new era now of COVID where yeah, Spider-Man No Way Home. Top Gun Maverick and right now Avatar The Way of Water are speaking to what will people go see in this particular era and put their money down yes. for versus the Fablemans and West Side Story and very, very fine films from many places, not just Steven. So well, it's amazing. And we, to, and we forget we forget as film critics ourselves and someone who takes this pretty seriously, you know, you you and I and many other people we know in our friend <clears throat> groups and everything, we we take film as a consumption of art. You know, like some people can see a picture mm-hmm. of a famous painting and be like, that's really cool. And some people go to the museum to see it and research the history of it. Like we yeah. treat this art, we treat this art form very seriously. But what we have to remember is a majority of people do not, you know, they, they see it truly as just escapism. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not criticizing mm-hmm. that at all. In fact, I wish I could just watch movies and not, you know, oh my gosh. Have to be yeah. so invested in it. You know what I mean? But like, <laughs> yeah. but we forget that. And sometimes, and this is where the gatekeeping comes in. A lot of people mm-hmm. come into it and they, they look down on escapism and populism as something bad because yeah. the masses are enjoying it and the masses and, and, and everyone's always afraid of the sheep mentality. Like, Oh, you're just mm-hmm. a sheep like everybody else. Something I've had to fight with as someone who defends something like Marvel. I mean, it's the most profitable franchise in the history of mankind, and I'm defending it. Yep. it doesn't need defending, but it, it's we're losing touch a little bit. And, and mm-hmm. I can see why people out there like the Francis Ford Coppola, who's on this list, by the way, or the Martin Scorsese's or somebody like that, get frustrated because, yeah, someone like Spielberg, who used to be the pace setter for trends and what's happening in the world of movies is now a box office bomb guy, you know, yeah. he's, he's considered like a, a relic of the past. And so I, I can understand that. But like you said, with the, I think COVID accentuated it 
Mm. Like people were mm-hmm. like, okay, you know what? Like, if I'm gonna uh, go, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for something I'm, big. We have a friend, you and I, a mutual friend who's been on the show, Rachel. You know, yeah. You know, she even she loves Marvel, and she even was like, I'm not going. But there was one, I think it was Spider Man, where she's like, if I'm gonna risk it, I'm gonna risk it for that one. And and that's something that we need to take into account, like before we criticize the masses of the people. You know, entertainment is, it, we live in, I mean, we talked about a post 9-11 time, mm-hmm. you know, like we're, we're living in almost, I mean, I'm not going to get too political, but we almost live in like a post truth time now, you know, this is true. where it's like, you can't believe anything anymore because there's so much misinformation. There's so much yeah. pressure and there's so much cancelization. Everyone's canceling each other and every thought are- is. Yeah. micro very delicate it's delicate I, I mean i don't blame people for wanting to go see black adam over the whale or whatever because mm-hmm. it's it's like i mean who wants to know, wallow like, in that i'm with you you know exactly uh, even i struggle cl- with that sometimes i even i'm like you yeah, know what i don't know sure. if i can i don't know if i can uh sit down and watch this type of movie right now you know what i mean i admit um i admit it even hits me some you know, so-called professionally like i've yeah. seen like here we are in oscar season recording this here in early january and i've seen women talking and tar and a few of these other big hitters and i can't bring myself to write about them i should be able to and i'm a pro and i could pull that off right. but i've kind of, i sit down i get on the computer and they're wonderful very well done movies but i just get to them and i go uh one, I sometimes don't feel like I'm the right voice for it. There's times where I kind of self-sequester and go, maybe I'm not the voice that needs to talk about women talking. Or, But right. at the same time, I just kind of get to that point of like, I just want to go upstairs with my kids and watch Incredibles 2 for the third time. <laughs> like, I just, even I, even I want that too, where... Uh, like I, I I'm in the other thing I'll say is I'm, I'm in this happy moment now. And I know it doesn't feel like it because I'm in the other side of this as the film critic, but like I've been done thanks to awards and all the push. They send us stuff early. I've been done with movies since the second week of December. I haven't gone to the theater since where everyone else is like, Oh, it's Christmas. Let's go. This is the time to go. And I've been done. So I haven't, I haven't needed to see anything. I haven't had to write anything and it's been wonderful where it's nice to recharge the batteries and do that. But I, I'm doing that from a different place than other people do. Or I'm that guy now who everyone knows is the movie guy where I go to those family Thanksgivings and Christmases. Hey, Don, you watch a lot of movies. <laughs> you think, <laughs> what, what should I watch? You know, they always want those suggestions and I have to like curb those for the type of people in the room. Cause nine oh, times yeah. out of 10, nine times out of 10, I'm, rec- I'm recommending escapism and not, the Banshees of Ennis Sheeran or Tar or the Whale. <laughs> That's right. I just, oh, I'm yeah. just, I'm going to give them something mistake. easy. I made yeah. that mistake where you know, like, I think there's levels of movie watching. There, there are people who love movies, but they, yeah. they watch everything popular and they don't necessarily dig any any deep in that. Mm-hmm. That's totally fine. And then there's people who really just watch a movie a month or something. And there's yeah. there was somebody that like, I guess was in that second tier where they they watch a lot of movies, but they don't necessarily chase the prestige films, they, they just kind of mm-hmm. watch what they want to watch. And I did at one point, you know, because it was award season last year, I was like, Hey, go watch power of the dog. Like, you know, mm. it's going to be up for a bunch of awards. You know, it's, it's pretty controversial with some people. And they like looked at me the next day after they're like, what the hell is wrong with you? Why, why did I watch this? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm like, Oh, I just thought, you know, we, 
Uh-huh. Like I said, we're, we live in two different worlds. Like the film yeah. criticism the angle true thing. Is, is completely apart from the mm-hmm. mass populace. You know, like, but I mean... I'll admit yeah. the truth part to it, too, where, like, even if someone challenges me, no, Don, don't give me something popular. Give me something obscure that I wouldn't know of when I'm scrolling in Netflix. And even when I have to do that, I give them a crowd pleaser of just a smaller level. I'll sure. give them, like, everything everywhere all at once. Or I'll yeah, give them... Sure. You know, uh, I got little ones that I recommend. Like, I'll give them uh, good luck to you, Leo Grande. You know, stuff like that. You know, like yeah. something they can find on Hulu or Netflix or whatever. But I'm still giving them a feel-good one. I don't give them, same thing, I don't give them Tar in the Whale. Uh, I, I don't give them the inspection. I, I, I give them, because I, I, I'm with you. I think 90% of people, even the smart folks like us or the or the even us critics, we still do this to escape. Even if we're escaping to an ugly, difficult place, it's still escapism. It's an empathy engine. That's why we do that's why we gravitate to this stuff. So I feel like at the end of the day, casual fan, super serious fan, cinephile, we're doing it for the same reasons. It's just whether or not we have the capacity to go to whatever place we think our head can go. That's right. Our heart can go. Yeah. Now now because we are presenting you with a cinephile hissy fit that is leaner and meaner and perfect for your drive time thing. We're, we'll probably start closing it up, but I do want to talk yeah. about real, real quick. Um, I think everything from Titanic up. So everything from Titanic to birth of a nation, they all, all those titles have a place in history. They're all considered classics. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all well-respected both critically I mean, there's not a there's not one film on here, maybe other than Birth of a Nation, that is not critically reviled. It's a big yeah. hit. Uh, let's talk about Avatar and Endgame just real quick. I want to get your thoughts before we close mm-hmm. out about where do you think? Let, let me rephrase it with an example. So, I was watching the Spielberg documentary that HBO put out, which is excellent, by the way, if you've ever seen it. Uh, for yeah. listeners out there, I'm recommending that one to you. It's just a retrospective of Spielberg's career. I think it was. Three or four years ago, uh, mm-hmm. they played a they played a clip of critics. They showed newspaper clippings and they showed people on air. Like I don't think it was Roger Ebert, but you know, on like on television, movie critics talking about the quote unquote um, theme park ride ization mm-hmm. uh, of movies, thanks to Steven Spielberg, right? Yeah, and this this was probably around. This is after Indiana Jones, right before Jurassic Park. So there was a time when people considered Spielberg to be not cinema and the art of, art of the, the throw. Okay. So we're looking at Avatar and most especially mm-hmm. Avengers Endgame. Okay. I mean, yeah. Marvel, Marvel at this point is, is in so many discussions about film criticism now that it almost destroys film criticism itself because no one can get past this. You know, that's true. But where do you think in like 20 years? Mm-hmm. Avatar and Endgame are going to stand. Like, do you think we'll remember those as classics? Oh yeah. Um, I, and, I think so because with respect, um, with respect, though, because yeah. every everyone on this list has cultural respect and box true. office success. I don't think Avatar and Endgame are there yet. And, yeah, and I will agree. ever? Will they ever be? Is the question? I think um, that's a great question, and I think I think they will for a couple of reasons. One. The cream rises to the top, um, where mm-hmm. just good things 
stand the test of time. And even though Avatar gets the Pocahontas and the Dances with Wolf thing, junk and all that, people still go, people go back and see it and go, like, they're like, oh, I guess I should rewatch it in time for the new one. And then they do, and they're like, damn, this was really, I was into it. I was there, I was, there, I was good. Or, wow, it looks great. You know, and like they're, they're swept back into it and realizing, hey, like maybe this isn't, you know, the hugest, grandest, most perfect thing in the world, but boy, is it good. And I think that's what's going to happen is that um, when I say cream rises to the top, I think what we're seeing, especially now with, with the Spider-Man No Way Homes and the, and the Black Panthers and the Top Gun Mavericks, where the big things are the things making money right now, the big, big things, mm-hmm. is that there are so many theme park rides there are so many black adams and dr strange twos and thor movies and like take any year i'm not i hit the dog on marvel like that but like there are, but no but there are so many theme parks that play like theme parks want to be theme parks act like theme parks that when right. something comes around and is bigger and that is, that is as big as a theme park and still good that those right. things get remembered and the other ones just go away. Like we don't remember Minions Two, we don't remember Shrek Four, but we remember Avatar because it was a big, big thing. Yep, so I think the quality. I mean, and I think those ones are made with a level of quality that is just stands up head and shoulders above the other roller coasters. Where, yeah, it's a roller coaster, but it's a really, really fucking good made one. And I think that's yeah. what's going to stand the test of time. Where I think Avengers Endgame, like. If this superhero fatigue that even every now and then even myself feels, I Me think too. when this super, when this superhero fatigue sets in, and I don't think superhero movies are going to die like westerns will ever. I think there's too much established goodwill. I think they're more universally um, approachable than a western is, and mm-hmm. because of the because of the comic book medium themselves, where there are always new stories coming, there's always new generations. It is kid friendly for the most part. Whereas westerns are not, that that's never going to die. It's just going to shift and ebb and flow with fl- with time and and characters and success. Where I think comic movies are here to stay. So when they do, you're going to have people look back on well, what was the biggest one where you remember where you were when you saw it and the feelings you got from it. And when you have a feels fest like Avengers Endgame, comp- and you when you watch that now and then you like watch I hate to say it you watched Phase Four and all of the letdowns that we've been having like you go back and go gosh i wish i can i wish i can feel that again the fact that you're the fact that you're asking that and saying that you're going to go feel that again so i think of and then with avatar the sequels i think are going to season and improve the first one in time like i think james cameron and i know the the trend is to say oh never doubt james cameron but um he's building something and by the time he's done we're going to have something that's going to be I, I just have that confidence that he's a guy who just knows how to make some really, really good things and takes his time to do it and crafts it so well that by the time he's done, we're going to look at that first one and go, whoa, look where this all began. You know, can yeah, it also I mean, overinflate and be Star Wars someday where it's six movies too much? Maybe. But for now, we're going to be like, man, that was 3D on the nth, on the nth degree or. I've had people come out of Avatar 2 right now going, gosh, I remember how good 3D movies are when they're good. Like, can we go back to that? When's the next one going to be? And it probably won't till the next one. Well, to, to support what you're just saying, uh, especially yeah. when you're talking about the first Avatar, uh, you know how there's the National Film Registry, which is when mm-hmm. the government chooses like what they feel oh, yeah. is like culturally relevant cinema. Uh-huh. Um the most one of the most recent additions to that was the first Iron Man was put in the National so. Film Registry. Yeah. Rightfully so, but it's it's like you said that maybe that diminishing returns. I mean, I've always loved the first Iron Man, but 
people are going back and being like, remember how good this was? You know, it, 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 maybe that supports my question too about where Endgame and Avatar are going to be because now people, people look at a film from 2008 in the superhero yeah. realm as something that was revolutionary and highly respected. I mean, I think even I've, I've listened to directors, independent film directors or uh, horror folks, and I, I know there's a lot of horror folks critical of superhero films, which is ironic because franchise horror is kind of where it's at for me. But um, I've even I've even heard the most agnostic or atheist Marvel slash superhero slash franchise people say that Iron Man is excellent. So mm-hmm. maybe maybe we'll get there with with Endgame, like you yeah. said. Maybe we'll get there in twenty years, you know, or something like that. I'll and give we'll you, like, yeah. I'll give you another example in a level where this is going to be is um is the international level that ty- that things since Titanic have hit. Like mm-hmm. Titanic, Avengers, and Avatar have not just been domestic American movie successes. They've been international successes mm-hmm. and have grown the industry overseas. Here's an example. Um, yep. The big movie this past year was RRR from India, right? right. Um, that director, S.S. Rajamuli, is probably in his late 50s or 60s. He mm-hmm. got to vote for the sight and sound, you know, Big 250, the honky-tonk, you know, all fancy pants movies, right? The these this was his ballot because the directors get to vote on the director's poll. This was his ballot for the top ten movies of all time: Forrest Gump, Maya Bazaar from his own country, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Kung Fu Panda, Aladdin, Braveheart, Apocalypto, two Gibson movies, Ben Hur, Django Unchained, and The Lion King. So if you have people like that who are making movies with that kind of fervor love and passion for what they do born from those kind of movies the next filmmakers that are going to come up who are who grew up on harry potter hunger games lord of the rings avatar marvel what are they going to be like what are they going to vote for someday and it might be stuff like that and i think cream will rise to the top once again that's a a great way to end it, Don. Nice job. <laughs> but, no, um, this is good talk. And uh, we are, I know we have fun when we do these little editorials where I'm sure we need to do these more often. We had a good time with Top Gun. So, Yep, I think and we're... Dad uh, movies, right? Yeah. Th- dad movies. Well, I think we're going to... And I think our big argument on that episode was that Top Gun actually isn't a dad movie. Wasn't that our big thesis? That was our big thesis for sure. Yeah, yeah which I think a lot of people... Um, disagree and with, I think, but whatever. <laughs> and our, I think our thesis here is audience success is cultural relevance, period. I Absolutely. think so. I totally, I, I totally agree. Um, all right, everybody. So uh, follow us on Twitter at CinephileFit and on Facebook at CinephileHisFitPodcast. Find both of us by name on Letterboxd to check out our film reviews and ratings. We are also on Rotten Tomatoes, and we are charter members of the Independent Film Critics of America. We appreciate your loyal viewership in our tussles and for connecting with us on social media. Cinephile His If It is a Ruminations Radio Network podcast sponsored by Film Obsessive and 25YL Media. If you enjoyed this show, the Ruminations Radio Network has more excellent programming with stellar hosts and spirited topics. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our show and others on iTunes, Spotify, and or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.